The floodgates are open. There's a huge wave of comedy about to hit Toronto. JFL 42 returns to the six. It's a beautiful Sunday night in September. I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go Inside the Jokes. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. This is Inside Jokes. I'm Dean Young, and today we're going deep on JFL 42. We have four of the 42 comics on the line with us today. Keep it tuned in. We have Maria Bamford, Chris Fleming, Reggie Watts, and Canada's own Graham Chittenden. Right here, Inside Jokes, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Hola, this is Marta Chavez, and you're listening to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You're listening to Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm Dean Young, and today we're going deep on JFL 42. Uh, we have four of the 42 appearing here in Toronto this September. Uh, first up on the line, we have Chris Fleming joining us. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm good. I, I'm in a parked car right now with my seatbelt on, which I realize is one of the most degrading visual looks for any adult. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and remedy that by uh, standing up. How are you doing? Today? I'm good. You know what? You just accidentally summed up Canadian showbiz perfectly, just on a cell phone in a parked car somewhere, calling into a radio <laughs> show on a Sunday night. That's what it is. That's, that's showbiz. One thing I was curious about, Chris, uh, because you're joining us here at JFL 42 this September is, you know, you you sort of came into your own and you had your own built-in audience, of course, from your hit web series, from your YouTube series, uh, your Gale came series. Came into your own. I like, came into your own is nice. That sounds like a right? counselor term. I like that. I like that. Yeah, came, yeah. came into your own. And I do want to, you know, it seems yeah. like festivals, especially JFL 42 in particular here in Canada, have sort of been changing over the last few years to sort of bring in this new wave of performers who do come from that world there's a lot of quote-unquote youtube stars and there's a whole audience that's sort of built in with that for you how different of an animal is that from going from having this hit web series to going up on stage and being a working stand-up does that come from the same place for you or is it a much different thing because obviously you disappear into that character when you're doing the show oh yeah well i haven't done that character in a while and that character actually came from my stand-up um so i started doing stand-up 
Um, and then I had to turn to YouTube out of desperation <laughs> yeah. because I signed I signed to a manager uh, who, who took me out to L.A. She seduced me to move out to L.A. and then she promptly became a chef. Yeah. So I was kind of just in L.A. and then like I was like, oh, God, what am I going to do? So I, I turned um, the character from my stand up into the web series. And so then. Um, so, so stand-up is my background. Uh, so, so, so live, perf- you know, I'm, I'm not one of those charlatans. I mean, I'm a charlatan, <laughs> right, but, I'm, but, 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 but I'm not, you know, not like that southern mama, uh, you know, Philistine or whatnot who does that thing. Like, I, I do live stuff, so, so I love it. I love it a lot, actually, and it's a, um, I'm, I'm, I did, I did Montreal uh, last summer. Yeah, I, I did. I did a solo show there, uh, which was amazing. Except for I did one outdoor show that was a bit of a bloodbath because it was for a bunch of Quebecois, I think, francophone families, and so they just wanted to see our dead part do getting his tie stuck in a car door. So <laughs> nothing that I said really registered as humor to them. But but aside from that, um, every show is lovely. No, and I and I really enjoyed the festival. Yeah, yeah, and it does sort of. Yeah, I mean, it's it it is good. I think to see this sort of if you will, this gap being bridged between while this person is a YouTube star, this person does sketch, this person does improv, this person does stand-up. Like, I think the job of a festival of this scope, you know, bringing in 42 acts, is to give people this sort of wide variety of stuff that they might not be exposed to otherwise, right? Well, you know, I do benefit from that, and I really like that that open mind that you have about it. But uh, you know, if I if I didn't personally benefit from the YouTube thing, I would I would think all YouTube folks should be shunned from society and kind of kept you know <laughs> kept a, live on forced to live on the outskirts like the hermit that descends occasionally for supplies, you know, in the town. And that's you know the, the YouTube uh, thing is a little a little tough <laughs> a little tough for me, but it is at the end of the day just a medium, and and, exactly. and it does not necessitate quality or lack thereof. And so I think um, I think it is cool that that you know people are getting seen through different ways now, and for a, a, a festival to be receptive to that, I think is um, uh, very cool and and necessary. I think to stay stay afloat as well well exactly and i think that's one thing that comics have figured out now definitely true here in in canada for our performers is that you kind of do have to have a bunch of different projects on the go i think the the days of like i'm just strictly a road comic are sort of over and done with i mean everybody's trying to reach out to a more global audience and you sort of you know you have to do writing gigs and then you're on tour and then you're appearing on this web series and then you're being in a pilot so it's you do sort of have to balance all that stuff together instead of just focusing on one thing it's kind of exhausting. It is kind of all, yeah. All those, things, all, those, all those things you just said. I'm, I want to take a nap thinking about having to do all that. Isn't it tiring to think about? That's all still ahead of you. Well, well, you know? Whenever, whenever I hear the word pilot, I always, I always, uh, my my knees weaken a little bit. But yeah, every, everything else in there sounded pretty doable. Yeah. One one thing I did also want to ask you about. You know, you appeared in this Vice segment a little while ago that went. To, went yeah. definitely went viral in the comedy world. I know you already know what I'm going to talk about, but it was this, <laughs> it was this whole thing, and it's this sort of endless back and forth debate right now in comedy about you know can we play college campuses? Is PCism, quote unquote, killing everything? Which I, personally, I mean, I think it's kind of a ridiculous argument. I did, and, and you know, you were in this Vice segment, and you were you're you're up there you're doing stand-up at these campuses and you are thriving and you seem to be enjoying it and you're because you're a working comic and you know at one point i i did like what judy gold had said about you know this idea that words hurt more than actions 
uh, is ridiculous and, you know, the, the world isn't safeguarded for you. Figure that stuff out. I, I agree, but I also agree with the side of the coin that says, yeah, but at the end of the day, you're a working performer and you took the gig that you signed up for and, you know, the guidelines that came with that. For you, as a working comic, how much is it about just being able to adapt to an audience and tailoring yourself to where and when you're performing? I don't really like to tailor. I mean, I like to improvise and, and, and be in the moment. But um, in terms of young audiences, um, well, first of all, I don't think that they should have chosen me and Judy Gold because we look identical. And everyone <laughs> kept being like, like, no one could differentiate the two of us in the, in the clip. Yeah, fair but enough. I think that, I think that the... Um, I think that the, that the argument really, what it really comes down to is young people, I don't think that they're as uptight as everyone thinks they are and safe spacey. I think that they are just tired of Borscht Belt style hack jokes and they're looking for innovation and absurdity and a new fresh take. I like, agree. These, 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 I think that's the, and I think that if you have that and if you, um, and of course the whole punching, uh, what is it, punching up or punching down? You know what I'm talking about. Punching up. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like as long as, yeah. I think I, I, I think that things haven't changed that much. They're just looking for innovation, and they're not looking for lazy, crummy, easy jokes that like um, that that you know that also make people feel crummy. You know, I think I think that's that's what young audiences are looking for is is new, uh, authentic originality, and uh, and I think that's they're not looking for um, stuff that works in the Catskills in, uh, you know, 1965 about making fun of how there's so many letters in LGBTQ or whatever, you know? I totally agree. And I think, you know, it's kind of an easy crutch to say, well, you just can't play those rooms anymore. Everybody's too sensitive. Because I think at the end of the day, one of the great things about this art form is the ability to go up there and read a room, right? And to ad- things are changing and culture's changing. And so is the taste that's reflected in comedy because that's the whole job. So I think... I think, yeah, the comics who can adapt and roll with that, those, at the end of the day, that's who is going to remain, you know? Completely, completely. And I think, I think if you bring heart and charm to it and awareness, I think that, uh, yeah, I think that you'll be fine. All right, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Chris. And, of course, uh, our audience can check Chris Fleming out here at JFL42 uh, this September. And where else can we uh, find your work online, Chris? Oh, uh, on YouTube. Um, uh you can get me on Instagram at Chris Fleming Fleming. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> that's that's perfect. And we'll see you this September here in Toronto. Thank you so much for joining us, Chris. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Cheers. Hey, this is Simon Rakoff, and you are listening to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back. You're tuned in to Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm Dean Young, and tonight we're talking all things JFL 42. We have a few of this year's 42 joining us, and on the line right now, very excited to have her. We have Maria Bamford joining us. How are you doing, Maria? Hello. How are you, Dean? I'm very, I'm very good. Um, I'm here in Los Angeles. Oh, where it's always sunny. Yeah, okay, well, yeah, fine. You're doing better <laughs> than us. We're here in Canada. I do want to say, you have already won Toronto's hearts, of course. I mean, you have many fans here, of course, but also just by the fact that you've talked about raccoons in your stand-up, uh, because this city is rampant with them. It's overrun with raccoons, so thank you for that. Oh. <laughs> right? Isn't that nice? I do want to say, too, one one impact you have had on me specifically from your material is I live across the street from a cemetery and because of you I can't walk past that cemetery any single day without kind of like cracking up to myself just thinking about your (laughs) hey what happened joke 
Uh, so it's kind of morbid, I guess. <laughs> but thanks to you, I just laugh every time I pass a cemetery now. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. No problem. I love it. Right? A garden of ghouls. Um, <laughs> yes. What did happen and what keeps happening? Yeah, Why? It, it just keeps um, happening. Yeah. I did oh, wa- well. want to jump right into it with you because, of course, you're joining us as one of the 42 here in Toronto again. And you're, you're also headlining this year's Top Comic Showcase, which... Uh, our, most of our listeners know, but it sort of takes some of the the creme de la creme of upcoming comics here in Canada, and one of them's you know going home with a spot on the big festivals and twenty five thousand dollars, which is six years worth of salary in Canadian comedy. Um, so of course you're headlining that as well. But I did want to ask, you know, I've seen you live a few times, and especially over the last couple of years, you kind of you tackle some pretty personal stuff in your stand-up I mean every comic that that comes with the job but you know you're talking about mental health and marriage and relationships and I kind of wanted to jump into it and ask you when you're when you're writing this stuff and when you're prepping this stuff and going and performing it for you is that totally sort of a cathartic therapeutic thing or are you just like well here's stuff that is relatable for people well it's relatable for me you know I I think I, I think I'm probably the most important audience member that I have to hear my same show hundreds of times uh it better be funny to me uh yeah true <laughs> and meaningful you know so yeah it's just my own experience i you know if i if i had more experience with something else would that be uh what would it be uh, some other experience that i've heard people have uh having a baby having kids or something you know then i would talk about that but uh use what you have or you can make stuff up which uh, that would be another way to go. Yeah. But that actually seems harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. It, it, yeah, because you sort of have whatever happens in your life happens in your life, and it passes through that filter. Uh, one thing I've always <laughs> wondered about you, I mean, you know, it's a cliche to say every comic obviously has their voice, and, you know, from when the time they start out, they hone their voice, and they find their voice, and they go and work it out. But, I mean, you are such a specific and unique performer i mean i guess you're sort of you know this exaggerated version of yourself on stage for all that we know anyways watching you what was that like for you in the beginning because i mean you know comics change from when you watch them starting out to what they become the ones who who make it anyways the sea turtles that live but for you what was that like because you're you are such an extremely unique presence on stage and such an original voice what was that like for you going out and hitting mics in the beginning and sort of figuring that stuff out I think it's still, for me anyways, it's still the same in that uh, I can definitely go anywhere in the city of Los Angeles. I can find the place where I will bomb. Uh, (laughs) I will not uh, do well, and it's not a good idea. I mean, I've done the exercise of going to places where I'll bomb to see if it'll toughen me up, and it it doesn't seem to work. Uh, (laughs) Or it doesn't always seem to... um, really helped the material that much. When I began, I, I just went where the love was, so I, I didn't do a ton of clubs. I did uh, mostly, like, women, women's venues and performance art nights and things like that, where it was very welcoming. And even when I moved to L.A., the, the open mic circle was very, or, you know, relatively supportive. Or yeah. I, I like L.A. stand-up. It makes, or any kind of, where... where you know, nobody talked to each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there isn't any, I think maybe on the East Coast of the U.S., 
people are more like, uh, really, uh, you really suck, you know, or something, <laughs> you might have said something, but L.A. everyone's like, yeah, anyways, it, there's a delightful part of the isolation in that nobody nobody's paying attention to you. Yeah. Uh, so I, I try to create spaces where I know I'm going to do well because, I mean, hopefully not in a fascist way. Uh, <laughs> making plans for the audience, but I'm not for the whole thing of surprising people with what they're going to see. Like, yeah. oh, uh, I've, I've just, I've been there so many times with that. Obviously, you're at a point now where, you know, people are coming out to a festival like JFL 42 and they're coming to see Maria Bamford. That's, you know, that's already your audience. People already know and love what they're going to see. So it's much different from those early days. But I always liked what Tig said about that too. She was talking about starting out and she was like, yeah, you know, you kind of, you would just perform wherever you had to and not worry about what anybody else is doing because that'll kind of drive you up the wall. You just kind of keep your head down, worry about yourself and your material, and then leave. Do your time, and that's it. Yeah. Leave. Yeah, yeah. Fill the fill the time, or I mean, yeah, you just do it. And because for me, it's uh, yeah, getting the words out and uh, the technical part of just acting as if it's going well. <laughs> And or at least that's what I've done. I'm not a crowd work person. Um, I love crowd work, though. Oh my gosh! If you get a chance, I don't know if Canada has gotten Stuart Lee's um, content provider, which is his new stand-up special. But basically, a bunch of it is just beautiful crowd work with a show that it sounds like it's not going very well. Anyways, it's <laughs> delightful to watch. Well, that's and I'm curious actually. With you, you know, you're you're coming here, you're doing JFL 42, and with headlining a show like Top Comic, you know, obviously you're backstage, you're getting into the space you need to get into to go out there and do what you do. Do you sort of get, at times like that, do you sort of get the opportunity to stand back and be an audience member yourself a little bit and kind of be curious about what these brand new comics are sort of doing up there and, and sort oh. of be a fan? No, I love, I love comedians. Oh my gosh! I love comedy. I love comedians. I, my husband and I, we saw the new faces shows when we we're in Montreal, and 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 in Los Angeles, it's like living in a constant festival. So it's like and people were moving into town every day who are just very skilled comedians, and because I think people have seen a lot of comedy um, before they even start, and started at a much higher level than I ever did, and it's really wonderful and and very exciting. I think it's a a, a golden age, and um, I love to laugh as much as the, the next person. There was just so many great new comics in in Montreal that I saw that were really fun to see. So I am the past. Look to the future. <laughs> no, you're you're definitely the present. We're excited to have you here at JFL Forty Two. And actually, the LA thing that's interesting that you say that because, of course, yeah, that's where you know everybody eventually wants to migrate to. That's the goal. And Toronto is Canada's version of that. This is sort of the city where everybody comes and this becomes the big hub. But at the end of the day, 50% of us are going to try to move to Los Angeles too anyways. So you're probably going to be up there with a cross-section of people who are trying to do just that. Um, but I did want to ask, of course, people could see you headlining the Top Comic Gala. People could see you here at JFL 42. Um for maybe five listeners we have who don't know Maria Bamford, I highly doubt it, but what's the best place for people to check your stuff out, Maria? Oh, just go on the YouTube. Um, <laughs> I have a, there's a show called The Maria Bamford Show that I'm very proud of. I think that was a very good show, and um, I made myself 
and with another one other person, Damon Jones, who now runs his own TV shows. Yeah. And um, if you don't like it, please know there's so much other comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Fair or enough. Never watch, never watch comedy that you don't enjoy because if there's any more uh, freedoms left in the United States, uh, the last one will be that you can walk out of comedy shows. So don't suffer uh, for the arts if if you can uh, help it. <laughs> that's the, that's a good bit of wisdom. Well, Toronto loves you. We're so excited to have you back at JFL 42 this year. Uh, thanks again for joining us, Maria. And we're going to see you uh, in a couple weeks in this much colder, raccoon-infested city of ours. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, this is Isabel Canon. You're listening to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back. You're listening to Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I am Dean Young, and today we are talking JFL 42. We have four of the 42 joining us on the on the air today. Uh, and the festival, of course, returns to Toronto September 20th through 29th. One of the 42, and returning to this show, is uh, one of our very own Canadian favorites. We have Graham Chittenden on the line. How's it going? Very good. Pretty and good. Uh, how are you? I should let the listeners in on a little. Uh, we'll tear down the fourth wall here for a second and let them in on a secret that you you couldn't join us in the studio because you got stuck in traffic outside of Hamilton, right? Yes, and I just completely gave up. I mean, on traffic, life, the whole thing. That's we were talking about the the highs and lows of Canadian showbiz earlier on the show. So I think that's just like it in a nutshell, right there. It's just yeah. stuck in Hamilton. <laughs> phoning in but i did so you're of course appearing you're one of one of the 42 this year at uh, jfl 42 and i mean you know for those who who didn't hear you on the show before you were with us for top comic before um you know you you've been around you're already a veteran of just for laughs we can say right oh i would say so yeah you've done it you've been there you've released specials you've done national tv galas here in canada you've recorded interviews for the comedy network and when you're not on the road and not touring, and I'm just sort of reading you a laundry list of things you already know that you do, um, you're also in the writer's room. You're a working comedy writer as well. Yes. So I wanted to ask you, for you personally, I think when, when Canadian comics start out, you sort of, you know, you have those first few years where you're working it out at the mics and you're sort of figuring out who you are and what kind of a comic you want to be, and you figure out which direction you want to go in. For you, do you sort of juggle all these things because it's purely out of a love of the game, or is that sort of the balancing act that you have to do in Canadian comedy? I think it was originally the balancing act. I think you just um, take work being funny in any capacity you can. I think it's funny. A lot of people do get into sort of writing and TV stuff as a natural progression from stand-up, but I think a lot of people do it as a weird necessity of, if you want people to come see you do stand-up, you've got to try and get on TV or write for TV, which seems crazy because then you get a job writing for TV and then it makes it harder to get back out and uh, do all the rooms you you miss doing. So Yeah, and go out and sort of play with that new stuff. Yeah. And I think, you know, for Canadian comics especially, it's sort of always about that next big gig because, I mean, you know, we... Even though we live in a country where we crank out so many comics and we just produce comics en masse who, you know, a lot of them end up moving to the States and stuff like that, the ones who sort of make it, if you will. But because there's a select pool of things that comics in this country are trying to land and going after, it's sort of always about the next big gig, right? Because as soon as you do something like a festival like this, it's sort of, okay, well, that was great, but now I have to worry about the next sort of meal ticket coming in, right? And everything just becomes brackets beside your name. 
Oh, of course, you're 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 absolutely right. Achieving your goals ends up being such a horrible thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's like, okay, well, I've done that. What is there next? It's like this checklist for you at this point because you've been around and you know you are established, of course, in Canadian comedy, and you've you've built and now you maintain this career for yourself. For you, what's sort of the next big high, the next big milestone that you go after? Well, that's, uh, that's a, a great soul-searching question that I've been asking myself <laughs> lately. And I think you can't get away from having to sort of do the same thing over and over again. You know, you've got to tour, and then you've got to tour again, and then you've got to sort of tour again, and I think you've got to find a way to make it meaningful to you. Yeah. So touring, but if you're doing the same tour or you're doing the same show or the same material or for the same people, it'll it'll start to wear on you after a while. But I think uh, the next big goal is just playing venues you like. Yeah. Crowds who are there to see you is always a big goal. It's a big, weird goal in Canada. Like anyone can throw together 200 people under the guise of a hockey fundraiser. Right. I think certainly more challenging goal is like 200 people who know that you are coming to town and they are going to come see you and they would see you if you were performing at the bus station. Yeah. They yeah. See you. You know, that's that's I think is the goal. Yeah, and it's sort of getting to that place in your career and and at that level as a comedian where you can sort of be a little bit selective about. Okay, well, I know I have a built-in audience in this place, and I here's the venues that I want to play specifically. Right. Right. It becomes less about yeah. The goal becomes less about like oh, I want to play for a thousand people. It's like more I want to play for a hundred people who yeah, so specifically want to come and see what I'm into and, and what I'm all about. And I also yeah. was curious about, you know, comics kind of sometimes get pigeonholed into these categories of clean comic, dirty comic, edgy comic, prop, maybe not prop comic, I hope not. But anyways, I guess <laughs> I guess they exist, they're out there. But for you, I mean, you sort of, obviously you've done a lot of corporates and stuff like that. You're pretty adaptable to sort of working within a different set of guidelines what sort of roadblocks did you come up along the way where it's like okay well now i'm being you know maybe now i'm labeled as a clean comic or or something yeah i think the one i think like i think the problem is with being labeled a clean comic is um you need people to explain like oh he's but but you know he's good yeah (laughs) yeah clean comic is like sadly becomes synonymous with being a safe comic um, you know, cause in the corporate world, they're like, well, we've got this guy. He won't, nobody will walk out of the room and they'll all get a solid B minus or C plus experience. And that's <laughs> the, the pigeonhole of like the word clean is like, yeah, he's clean. You know, yeah, he doesn't really do it for anybody, but he doesn't anger anybody. So the goal is to sort of overcome that, I guess. Yeah. And it totally is. And even, you know, in the comedy world itself, it almost always had this sort of weird stigma around it where it's like, like you said, well, like, yeah, they're just sort of. They're safe. You'll get your money's worth. But I think if anything, it's, you know, if there is that label to it, it's more of a strength that speaks to to you and comics like you as a writer where you can, they can put you in a corporate at two in the afternoon or they can put you at JFL 42 or a gala in Montreal and everything is speaking through your writing and you can sort of adapt to whatever room you're in and still go out there and kill without having what some people might call crutches, you know? Yeah. Well, shucks, thanks. Yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. I fit into all the shows that have no, that have no sort of container to them. So yeah, you're right. I could do like 
a boardroom at two in the afternoon. I did want to ask also, I mean, the the unique thing to me about JFL 42 specifically, because of course, you know, our listeners know this is the Toronto sort of spinoff of Just for Laughs, but it's very much a different animal as far as the layout of the festival goes, where... You know, you have this pass, and it was people it took, I think, a couple of years for people to figure out how it works. But you can sort of pop in and out of venues and just check out shows almost on a whim. I don't want to say on a whim, but almost. So, you the good thing for us is Canadian audiences get exposed to comics who we know them here in the comedy world, but they might not have seen you or heard you otherwise. Yeah. So for you as one of the 42, because it is such a huge gambit, and I think this year is a really good variety of who's who's booked on the festival, what is the Graham Chittenden experience? What are, what are people going to expect if they come in and see you as part of the 42? Uh, an angry little man? <laughs> Mostly. Uh, yeah, they're, they can expect, yeah, just me. Uh, yeah, you're right. You make a good point about the popping in. It's sort of great that Canadians can accidentally end up seeing a Canadian comedian yeah. and be like, oh, actually, no, this wasn't so bad. We get grouped in with the Americans. It's the one time of year when people are like, oh, they're all the same. Exactly. Way. Yeah. yeah. And it yeah. is good. Because, yeah, I mean, in Montreal, we have that thing where it's like, okay, it, it consumes the whole city. And it's like, oh, this late show host is performing here. But in Toronto, it's nice because it is a good cross section of, well, here's the comics that are happening in Canada right now. And here's here are the people who are on our TV shows and our radio shows and our podcasts. Oh, um, absolutely, yeah. So one thing I wanted to ask you before we go is, do you remember, you know, back before you were doing Just for Laughs and before you were in the 42 and all these things you've done, do you remember what was your first sort of, oh, shit, I've made it moment? Like, I'm really a comic moment. This is happening. My first TV gig was a TV gig that ended up not airing. So, I mean, there are a lot of these oh, shit, moments where I'm <laughs> yeah. like, oh, shit. and then you're like, nah. <laughs> so I think that maybe getting a comedy now was probably yeah. the thing. Uh, just for last homegrown was a big one. I'd say that was like the first time you go to the festival and you get the pass and you get to hang out with the names you recognize at the bar and you get to sneak in and stand at the back of all the great shows like, you know, Andy Kindler's alternative show and yeah. see Paula Tompkins and Maria Bamford, you know, on a show for 80 people. And yeah. <laughs> I think when you're sort of welcomed into the fraternity like that, it's not just that just for laughs, if you're at Winnipeg or you're at Halifax or something like that, that's sort of the first big uh, moment. A lot of times those moments you think that are going to turn into stuff, you do them and then you get on with it. And that's, you know what, that's also a great callback to uh, Maria Bamford who just joined us before you. Uh, You of course can be seen at JFL 42 this September, uh, but for you personally, where else can people find all things Graham Chittenden? Well, I've shortened it for everybody, so if you just put in Graham Chitt C-H-I-T on Instagram or Twitter, you can find out what I'm up to. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Graham, and uh, we look forward to seeing you live here in Toronto in a couple weeks. Thank you. Hey, this is Peter Anthony, and if you have functional ears, you're hearing Inside Jokes. This is Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. If you're just tuning in, I I hope not because you've missed some fantastic guests today, but we are talking all things JFL 42 in studio today. We have had four of this year's 42 joining us on the air. Uh, the big festival returns to Toronto September 20th. 
Our final guest today, our headliner of today's show, you might know him best from Comedy Bang Bang on IFC. He is the band leader for The Late Late Show with James Corden and host of the U.S. version of the game show Taskmaster. And a bit of a comedy and music, I'm going to say renaissance man all around. We have the one and only Reggie Watts on the line with us. How's it going, Reggie? It's going really great, man. Are you, ex- are you excited to come to come to Toronto in a couple weeks? Yeah, man. I, I love Toronto. It's a great city. Great it, town. It's a lot of traffic, but a great town. Yeah, no, it's a, it definitely sucks to drive in. I want to, to get into a bit of, uh, you know, what what sort of people can expect from uh, uh-huh. your headlining show here at JFL 42, because we do have like a really good sort of broad mix of performers at this year's festival. And I call you Renaissance Man because you sort of, I mean, you you have this unique blend of stand-up and then what you do with music where, well, in music you, you've called yourself a disinformationist. But yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so your goal is to sort of, you, you've said, sort of dis- disorient your audience. So I wanted to, in, in with what you're doing with music as well, so I wanted to sort of get into... You know, with such a wide range of performers flooding into the city, and of course, you are one of our headliners here out of the forty-two this year. What sort of what can people expect? What's the Reggie Watts experience that people can come and check out here in Toronto? Well, um, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to definitely uh, try to to make it the best I can for Toronto specifically. Um, so I, you know, I just I hope it works out. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure it will. I wanted to sort of get into a bit of the background, like for you, this balance between comedy and music, and sort of we've talked to the other guests on the show today about how people sort of juggle all these different projects and all these different pursuits. For you, it's kind of two sides of the same coin. What? How did? How did it take shape? Like, was your first love comedy or music? How did you sort of come into that? What influenced that for you at first? Well, you know, I was always a big fan of, um, of comedy. Since I was a kid, I, I, you know, I was I loved watching, you know, classic comedies with my parents. You know, I was a huge fan of Gene Wilder and Gilda Radner and Mel Brooks and um, Monty Python and British comedy in general and Eddie Murphy and Bill Cosby and Richard Pryor and Carol Burnett, uh, you know, Victor Borga, those, those yeah. types of uh, acts and, and all, you know, Stephen Wright, all, all of those those types of people. So I've always loved comedy and music. Is, again, it was something I always loved. I was I gravitated towards music and singing like people and imitating, you know, people that, uh, you know, performers that I would see on television as a little kid. So, um, so I, you know, I was always fascinated in both of those things and, you know, as a class clown and all that stuff. And then I, you know, would sometimes act out stuff on the playground or, you know, try to get a special school assembly for a play that I would, you know, want to do in front of kids or, you know, and then when I moved into high school, there was competitive drama. So I started doing drama, you know, humorous solo, which I would, uh, I would uh, just improvise my bits instead of learning a piece of script. And then, you know, got into stand-up comedy, did a little bit of stand-up comedy in high school, you know, moved to Seattle in the nineties and, I uh, did mostly music for a while, but then got into sketch comedy. I was in a couple of sketch comedy groups and then started doing solo stuff again, which was basically the same thing I was doing in high school. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then it just kind of took off from there. 
Well, and I, I wanted to, because obviously, you know, when you definitely, I mean, even listing some of your tastes and your influences there and people who have seen you live and people who have seen you on TV and heard you on podcasts and stuff, you you certainly are influenced by the absurd and the sort of more off the wall. And you talked about the tradition of UK comedy. That's a huge flavor, of course. And when people come and see you headlining a show at JFL 42, it's, yeah, they're at a big theater and it's a gala show and you're headlining. But for you, I wanted to see if you could sort of take us back real quick to maybe what was the most bizarre place you yourself have ever performed at? Like, what was the strangest environment for you? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I got, I, and I've played in some pretty weird places. Um, played in a lot of living rooms and things like that, um, which have been good. There's some a couple shows in L.A. that take place in... In uh, yeah, in living rooms. Uh, yeah, I can't really. Th- I can't really think. I guess I would. I guess I would say a living room. A living room. Yeah. I mean, it's not that weird, but it's kind of. It's kind of weird, but not crazy. It's kind of weird. We had actually a show like that in Toronto for a while, and it was just yeah, you know, couple of comics living together, and they would like open up their. It wasn't even really a living room. It was like a crappy apartment in like a, you know, a place that two struggling comics in Canada could afford and then just throw on this show in their place. But for you, actually, I mean, you you have performed everywhere, obviously. And, I, you know, doing a show at JFL 42 is a pretty, you know, comfy. You get a theater full of people coming to watch you perform. What's your favorite space to be in, though? Like, what's your favorite kind of room to go and work this stuff out in? I like I like medium sized rooms, you know, like anything from three hundred to I guess eight hundred, you know, six three hundred to six hundred, something like that. Yeah. Or six hundred. <laughs> um <laughs> it's uh to me it's a it's a size that I can I can feel like I'm reaching everybody. If it's bigger, you know, I just have to project more and kind of mo- modulate. I mean, obviously you adapt to every single you know, situation, but if it's a, you know, I guess in an ideal, ideal, I like 300 or 400 is kind of a nice room because it's, it's full, <laughs> but it's uh, still uh, containable. Yeah, it's that comfortable mid-range. And I, I do, I love what you said earlier about how you're just going to sort of figure it out when you come here. And I I think a lot of people, you know, you're doing a headlining show at a festival this size i think a lot of people are like okay here's my i'm doing this hour from this new album that's coming out or i'm plugging this netflix special that's coming out and i'm sort of going to be nailed to that set for you it feels like i don't know is it more of a much more sort of figure it out in the moment loose and just sort of go organically with it yeah i mean yeah most definitely uh i everything i do is is really dependent on the moment of you know, um, you know what what I've experienced for that day, what I've been experiencing, um, those, those types of elements. I, I I definitely try to just not prepare until the very last. Well, I don't really prepare at all, but I just <laughs> wait till the last second to go on stage because that to me is way more exciting. I love it too. I mean, that obviously for you as a comic, that kind of sets you apart, and that's one of my favorite things about this festival is you have these. 42 massively different performers flooding into the city, these completely different people just offering up totally different things in sometimes random spaces. Uh, so, Reggie, people, of course, can catch you at JFL 42 coming up. And uh, for our listeners at home, what's uh, aside from hosting all the things you do and appearing all the stuff you do, what's the best place for people to check you out? Oh, jeez. Uh, I guess, uh, yeah, check out my Instagram, uh, Reggie Watts. 
com and uh, you know tons of videos on on YouTube. Uh, but uh, yeah, those are those are good places. Um, and uh, also iTunes and just type in my name. There's a bunch of stuff. There's all my specials and uh, my latest album with uh, uh, techno producer John Tejada. So there's all sorts of good stuff there. Awesome. Thanks so much, Reggie, and uh, listeners at home. Make sure you go and check out Reggie at JFL42. Uh, he's going to be bringing, I think, a completely different experience for the headliner shows to the festival this year. <laughs> Reggie, thanks for joining us, man. Man, my total pleasure. All right, we'll talk to you soon. All right. <laughs> nice talking to you. Bye. Right. Hey, this is Colin Mockery from Whose Line Is It Anyway? And you are listening to Inside Jokes, Pants Optional. Huge thanks again to all of our guests today right here on Inside Jokes for this very special JFL 42 edition. Once again, we were joined by Chris Fleming. Hit him up at Chris Fleming Fleming. The one and only Maria Bamford. Hit her up at Bamboofal. And of course, you can YouTube her or just go to mariabamford.com. Canada's own Graham Chittenden. Make sure you find all his stuff at Graham Chitt. And of course, Rounding things out, one of the headliners this year at the 42, Reggie Watts. Hit him up at Reggie Watts and ReggieWatts.com. And now for this week's comedy listings. It's JFL 42 time right here in Toronto. 42 of the best of the best acts from across Canada, the U.S. and beyond are flooding into the city. Go check out these shows. See as much as you can. Hit up JFL42.com for tickets, info, bios, and more. We'll see you at the festival. Hi, this is Alicia Carusi. And you're listening to my aunt, Sandra Carusi's Comedy Rx. This week featuring Graham Chittenden. All right. I am sorry that I don't do any jokes in French. It's not going to happen tonight. I wish I could. I know. I see people, comedians, who are bilingual, and I'm like, wow. Why wouldn't you get a better job? (laughs) With those skills. I have a girlfriend... Who wants, yeah, she's been mentioning lately that she might like to have children. And I have been reminding her that my parents can't afford that right now. That's where we're at. I was like, really, kids? I lived with my parents until last year. Could they have a break from raising children? I was 28. I lived with my parents until I was 28 years old. And the only reason I moved out, the only reason is because I read somewhere that not only is 28 too old to still live with your parents, but that it might be the sign of a developmental delay. (laughs) I read that on a note in my room. (laughs) And I left. I was out. God. So I'm out. That's our show. Thanks again, and check out JFL42 and all the shows at jfl42.com. (laughs) 